Elhamdülillah, nehmeduhu ve nesta'inuhu ve nestağfiruh ve na'udhu billahi min şururi enfusina ve seyyiyyati a'malina men yehdihillahu fela mudillalah ve men yudlil fela hadiyalah ve eşhedü en la ilahe illallahu vahdehu la şerike lah ve eşhedü enne Muhammeden abduhu ve rasuluh Amma ba'd so in the last couple of sessions we've been talking about this issue of uh, paintings, drawings, pictures, photographs. And the last topic was the issue of photographs. And like we said, you may find scholars that give certain explanations about it. But what appears to be correct is what a Sheikh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala mentioned on it which is that photographs with cameras or phones or whatever it might be are impermissible and they come into the same category as the narrations talking about the musawwirun that Allah's curse is upon the one who is the musawwir and the one who takes a photograph is linguistically a musawwir also so that appears to be the correct opinion with photographs then there is a section here the Sheikh he talks about videos. You have your video option on your phones as well now. To record a video then what is the ruling on that? When it comes to the issue of videos there are some people of knowledge who say that their position on videos is a tawakkuf. Meaning they say that I can't tell you it's halal. But neither can I say it's haram. It's one of those where I have to just stop without saying anything. I'm not able to say it's halal, it's all good. Neither am I able to say definitively that it's haram under all of the other narrations. So some scholars, some people of knowledge have taken that position of tawakkuf on videos saying that it's possible videos could come into the same category as everything we've been talking about so far in terms of pictures and picture making and if you ask the experts on that then they say that videos are essentially in reality just multiple pictures put together at a quick frame speed so you have various discussions on that topic. Some of the scholars, they say we hold silent on it, cannot give you a verdict. Maybe it's in the impermissible, maybe it's not. We don't, we're not able to say. As Sheikh Al-Uthameen here says that it's not an issue. Videos are not the same as photographs. That is the opinion of a Sheikh Al-Uthameen here. And he mentions that some of the major scholars, the committee, they also indicated that it wouldn't be an issue videos per se. And in fact, he mentions that they were at one stage going to issue a fatwa to allow video recording in the mosques for lectures and things, for the streaming of the lectures and things on videos. He says... حَتَّى إِنَّهُمْ أَرَادُوا أَنْ يُصْدِرُوا فَتْوَى 
بأن تصور المحاضرات في المساجد with the video they were about to he says give a fatwa at one time to allow lectures in the mosques to be recorded لكن رأوا أن من المصلحة عدم ذلك but then they saw when they examined it that the overall benefit is to not allow that so they didn't give the fatwa allowing videos to be used for that purpose but as a ruling as Sheikh Al-Hameen says that in his opinion and some of the other scholars he quotes generally that videos do not come into all of our discussion previously and all of those narrations of impermissibility on pictures do not apply to videos that is what the Sheikh indicates here nevertheless though he does say even if that is the correct opinion even if and like I said some scholars they don't they say we cannot say it's just not possible for us to say and give a fatwa that videos are okay you can do video recordings because of the doubt slightly gray area it's very similar to photography and the way that videos work and the multiple screens and frames and everything so there's some doubt and some scholars won't say that they won't just say it's okay but a Shaykh al-Athameen in his opinion says it's not the same as normal photographs and pictures but despite that he says I still wouldn't allow it to be used at special occasions like weddings and other celebrations he said it is not suitable to make recordings and to make videos at those types of places because uh, it will lead to ill consequences generally recording those types of events uh, celebrations and parties and things like that it is not suitable the sheikh says and he said i wouldn't allow that even if even if he says i hold the opinion that video recording may be okay so that is regarding video recordings the sheikh seems to view it okay but many other scholars have indicated a lot more caution on the issue of video recordings and some of the scholars they don't allow it to this day some of the scholars they used to tell us i don't allow anybody to record me on video even for lectures and other things they said i would never allow my face to be on a screen as a video so some of them don't allow it still it's one of those issues and so if a person wanted to remain completely safe, then the safest method would be to not make videos. That would be the safest method if a person wanted to exit himself from any difficulty. Then we move on to the question that was asked last week, connected to the topic, which is toys for children that have pictures on them. Toys for children that have pictures on them. حكم اتخاذ لعب للأطفال من الصور المجسمة. The toys for kids that have pictures on them. بعض الناس سامح فيها بناء على ما ثبت في الصحيح من أن عائشة رضي الله عنها كان لها بنات تلعب بها. قالوا هذا يدل على أن هذه البنات 
التي للصغار يلعبن بها لا بأس بها لكن ما ندري هل الصور التي في ذلك العهد مثل الصور التي في عهدنا أو أنها كانت مجرد هيكل So these toys that kids have with pictures on them dolls and action figures and that type of thing we're talking about now these types of dolls and figures and toys that are people and faces and that type of toy the sheikh says some some people have taken the position and the ruling that it's permissible they're allowed some people he says have taken the position that these types of Toys, dolls and figures, action figures and whatever else That they are allowed Some people have taken the opinion that they are allowed Based upon the fact that it is narrated Aisha radiallahu anha used to have some What we would call nowadays dolls So based upon the fact that Aisha radiallahu anha Had some figures or dolls as we say Something of that nature they say, look, if Aisha radiallahu anha had something like that when she was young, then it indicates the permissibility of having what we call dolls and figures of that nature. However, as Shaykh al does add on and say, there is a slight issue with that. And one slight issue with that evidence or using that as an evidence is that we don't know whether those Figures or dolls or whatever you want to call them At the time that Aisha radiallahu anha had What level of resemblance Is there of what she would have had at that time To the types of things you see now in Toys R Us What is the level of resemblance Is it the case that those things they used to have in those days That they were like the types of dolls and action figures you see nowadays on the shelves in toy shops. Or was it in those days very simplistic structures in the shape of a doll generally. No real uh, features on it. No real... I mean obviously nowadays you've seen it. It's not going to be like that 1400 years ago. All colored in and you can comb the hair and you can squeeze and it cries and everything else. So the sheikh said, if you're going to use that evidence, can we really say safely that what Aisha radiallahu anha had then is a direct comparison to what you get now in the shops? The answer really is going to be most likely no. You're not really going to have a comparison. The Shaykh says, Allahu A'lam. He said, Allah knows best. Ma adri. I don't know, the Shaykh says. Lakin, walillahi alhamd, bada'a fil awina al-akhira, yadhar lu'ib banat min al-irhin, qutn aw shibh, wa laysa fiha uyun wa la anf, wa hada tayyib, wa qad sara laha rawaj inda al-nas. He says, so far, what has he said? So far, with regards to dolls and, and action figures, as we call them, and these types of toys, so far he has said, some people allow it. Because they say, Aisha radiallahu anha used to have 
something similar what we call dolls these days. However, the Sheikh says that evidence may not be completely sound, and that is because we don't know the exact detail of what Aisha radiallahu anha had, and is it really the same as the type of things you get nowadays? Possibly and likely the answer is no. Because nowadays it is specific. Those dolls, I mean from the, the types of things you see, you buy the dolls and you change the nappies on them and everything. The way these dolls are made these days, with the full faces and, and, and actual water comes out of the baby ones when they cry. And all of these things, they are made to resemble humans in a much more detailed fashion. So is the comparison able to be made? Likely not. But then the Sheikh goes on to say, it's a good thing therefore, that nowadays people have started to design certain types of dolls, and you've probably seen them in Islamic shops and things, where it's a general doll, has the arms, the hands, the head, hair designed in some way, out of cotton or whatever else, not actual like in the dolls, what looks like actual hair, but from cotton and other cloth, it looks like it, like a rag doll. And there's no real face to it, there's no eyes and nose, and there's no real face, it's more of a blank on the face, but the rest of it is the figure of a doll. The sheikh says, that is okay, that's good. He said, that's okay, and he, he says it's good that it's become popular amongst the people that they get those types of dolls. That are generally dolls, but there's no particular real specification, any features on the face and eyes and nose and all that. So it's loosely a, a doll, a cuddly thing that you can have and that, the sheikh says, is okay. And that you find, you find it in the, in the Islamic bookstores and things. Those dolls, you've probably seen them, some of you. وَالصُّبْيَانِ قَدْ يُسَامَحْ لَهُمْ مَا لَا يُسَامَحْ لِغَيْرِهِمْ And youngsters, it is possible that certain things may be allowable and passed for them that you would not typically otherwise allow and pass. So the Sheikh is saying there is some level of leeway and leniency when it comes to kids that doesn't exist when it comes to adults. So there is some leeway and leniency when it comes to kids. وَلِهَذَا يُسَامَحْ لَهُمْ فِي اللَّعِبَ الَّذِي يَحْرُمُ عَلَى الْكِبَارِ That's why it is allowed for kids to engage in certain types of play that is not allowed for adults. So even the very fact of having dolls and these types of things, that is not something which would occur for an adult. To have a doll, or to have some toys of that nature. But you allow the kids to have some doll, some cuddly thing, whatever it might be. Allow it for the kids, not an issue. You wouldn't allow it for an adult. But for the kids, there is more leeway. فَيُسَامَحُ لَهُمْ بِاتِّخَاذْ هَذِهِ الْبَنَاتِ so it is allowed for them to have these, what you call, loosely dolls. وَالْبِنْتُ الصَّغِيرِ إِذَا صَارَ لَهَا بِنْتٌ تَلْعَبُ بِهَا تَرَى أَنَّهَا بِنْتُهَا حَقِيقَةً 
تهدها وتنومها تجعلها كأنها بنتها تماما وهذا يثمر توسيع صدرها وتعويدها على حياة الأمومة الشيخ says it is possible possible that these types of dolls and we're talking about girls in particular for the young girls that they have these types of dolls the ones we've been talking about now no particular face and eyes but a loose doll as a whole that if they have them young girls that have those dolls and even boys if they have some other type of cuddly toy or whatever it is they treat them as kids when they are kids they treat them as like uh, like a human they will treat that doll with care you accidentally drop it off the table they say what are you doing you drop the doll off the table pick it up carefully put it on the table you're going to hurt the doll so they treat the doll like it's something real the sheikh says that isn't really a bad thing for kids kids a girl particularly the girls they have these dolls and they treat them like they are a human and they'll cuddle them and they'll rock them and they'll do everything else and the sheikh says that's not really a bad thing it develops the child's understanding of various things and various skills and whatever else it develops the child for the child to now be taking the role of a mother with this doll looking after the doll and putting the doll to sleep and everything else so the sheikh says for small children there's leeway and that type of thing may well actually aid them in developing certain skills and abilities to look after and responsibility and whatever else وأنا في الحقيقة لا أشدد في هذه المسألة تشديدا كاملا ولكن يستحسن إزالة ملامح الوجه الشيخ الأثيمين says he personally doesn't take a very strict position on these types of toys he, he is saying of himself that he's one of these people who gives it plenty of leeway when it comes to these types of toys for kids but he does say despite that despite me not being very strict on this issue he says I do say you should still wipe the faces so basically what we're coming to in the conclusion of all of that so far is that the modern day dolls like these Barbie dolls and whatever else dolls you get now and the hair is on them and the full facial features are on them and some of these others you get and they cry and water comes out of their eyes all of that real thing it shouldn't be a doll like that not a real full doll with facial features everything a, a proper human resemblance shouldn't be like that the sheikh says the face should be blurred it should be blunt and that is, if you've seen those types of dolls now in the Islamic bookshops, it is a full doll. But if you know what a rag doll is, it's like a rag doll. Like a rag doll. Has all the hair and everything, uh, or the, like the cotton strings as hair, and everything else, and clothes on it and whatever. But there's no real face to it. It's a squishy type of doll. No real face on it, no eyes and nose and mouth. The sheikh says that's the type of thing you should get. Not the modern day Toys R Us and everything else and whatever you get these places with the proper dolls and the hair and you comb it and the face and the eyes and 
the eyes close and open and everything. All that type of thing, the Sheikh says, not really. So not the real resemblant dolls you get these days, but the loose type of rag dolls or other dolls that don't have a full facial feature is okay. He mentions another point as a side point. حُكْمُ الْمُصَنِّعْ لِلْأَلْعَابِ الْمُجَسَّمَةِ الَّتِي يَلْعَبُ بِهَا الْأَطْفَالِ Somebody who produces toys, dolls, fully, the full Barbie dolls and everything else. What's the ruling on that? Is it allowed for you to make those toys and sell them to kids who are going to play with them? Well, according to everything we just said, then it would not be. And you would be a sinner then. هَذَا آثِمْ إِذَا قُلْنَا إِنَّهُ حَرَامٌ بَلْ هُوَ آثِمْ مُطْلَقًا لِأَنَّ هَذَا الَّذِي صَنَعَهُ تِمْثَالٌ Either way, making those dolls is a sin. Because now you're making a resemblance of something in mankind that will fall directly into all of our previous discussions. The first thing we discussed, in fact, even before pictures was making resemblances in sculpturing and things. Doll is exactly that. If you're going to mold that plastic into the shape of a human and paint the face on and everything, you fall exactly into all of the narrations we talked about. Making those dolls would certainly be a sin. Using them, the sheikh says, there's leeway, but still you should only get, really you shouldn't get the ones with the faces. Only the ones with a blank face. The facial features, not the ones with the rag dolls we're talking about, which are okay. The rag dolls that don't have a face, that's okay. But he's talking about the mujassama, the ones with the actual facial features. Then, here, finally coming back to some of the section of the narration. Uh, in the narration, وَقَوْلُهُ عَنَ بِسَعِيدٍ الْخُدْرِ فِي غَزْوَةِ بَنِ الْمُسْطَلَقِ أَنَّهُمْ أَصَابُوا سَبَايَا Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, from him it is narrated that in the battle of Bani al-Mustalaq, they gained some, uh, what you call these days, hostages, meaning that they took some people in that battle. And they were women. أي نساء سبايا أي نساء والمسلمون إذا غزوا الكفار ثم غلبوهم ووقع في أيديهم أحد من المشركين فإن النساء والذرية الصغار يكونون سبيا يعني ملكا للمسلمين أرقاء So when a battle occurred when the battles would occur and the women and the children if they fell in to the hands of the Muslims obviously they are not killed they would be taken as what you call these days, not hostages, there's another word maybe. Huh? Captives, huh? Taken as captives. They would be taken as captives and they keep them and, uh, like as slave girls, etc. Or, or, or of that nature. So they are not killed. They would be kept and they are fed and they are clothed and everything. So it says in that battle they came across some of this. وَأَمَّا الْمُقَاتِلُونَ فَإِنَّ الْإِمَامَ أَوْ قَائِدَ الْجَيْشِ مُخَيَّرٌ فِيهِمْ بَيْنَ الْقَتْلِ وَبَيْنَ الْمَنِّ بِدُونِ شَيْءٍ وَبَيْنَ الْفِدَاءِ بِمَالِ أَوْ الْفِدَاءِ 
be asir. What about the actual fighters? If you gain them as captive. The actual fighters that are gained as captives, the leaders, the commanders, then they can be killed or they could be let off without anything or they could be ransomed, released upon a ransom with wealth or released upon a ransom with a captive of the Muslims being brought back. واختلف العلماء في الرق هل يدخل في هذا فيسترقهم أم لا والله عز وجل يقول حتى إذا أفخنتموهم فشدوا الوثاق فإما من بعد وإما فداء وثبت عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قتل الأسرى صبرا فتلك ثلاثة أشياء القتل والمن بدون شيء والفداء إما بمال أو بأسير أو بمنفعة مثال الفداء بالمال أن يقال للأسير أعطنا كذا وكذا من المال ونطلقك ومثال الفداء بالأسير أن يكون عند الكفار أسرى للمسلمين فيتبادلون الأسرى ومثال الفداء بمنفعة مثل أن يقال للأسير أنت تعرف صناعة الذرة Here is just talking about this issue of the battle that was mentioned in that narration and how you could do the exchange with the captives. The leaders of the captives could be killed or they could be let off or they could be ransomed with money or they could be ransomed with another captive or they could be ransomed with a benefit. Those people who have been taken captive a mushrik is being taken captive. This mushrik is a skilled farmer, for example. Knows all about how to grow corn or crops and things and when to do it, how to do it, how to bury them, everything. Skilled in that. You could say to him, teach us this skill, how to do it perfectly and we'll release you. That is your ransom. So that is just uh, various forms of the ransoming that are mentioned. Then the point of the narration comes up along here. فَأَرَادُوا أَنْ يَسْتَمْتِعُوا بِهِنَّ وَلَا يَحْمِلْنَ فَسَأَلُوا النَّبِيَّ صلى الله عليه وسلم عن العزل فقال ما عليكم ألا تفعلوا فإن الله قد كتب من هو خالق إلى يوم القيامة أراد الصحابة رضي الله عنهم أن يستمتعوا بهؤلاء النساء بدون حمل فسألوا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن العزل uh, ولا عزل أن يجامع الإنسان امرأته أو مملوكته فإذا قارب الإنزال نزع حتى يكون الإنزال خارج الفرج فسألوا النبي عن ذلك فقال ما عليكم أن لا تفعلوا أي ما عليكم إن شئتم افعلوا وإن شئتم فلا ما من نسمة كائنة إلى يوم القيامة إلا وهي كائنة أي إنكم لو فعلتم وأنزلتم فإنه لا يلزم من الإنزال أن يخلق منه ولد لأن الله سبحانه وتعالى كتب من هو خالق إلى يوم القيامة خالق إلى يوم القيامة فأنتم إذا لم تفعلوا ولم تعزلوا فإنه قد يخلق الولد من هذا الماء وقد لا يخلق. This is now coming to the issue of the خالق and that is the topic of discussion that Allah سبحانه وتعالى is الخالق the creator here in this battle or when they took some of those captives. 
Then some of them, they were asking the Prophet ﷺ about the issue of what is known as Al-Azl. Al-Azl, whether it's in this issue or between the spouses, it's the same thing. Al-Azl, meaning that a uh, man and wife, they engage in the intimate relations and in the intercourse. But before the man uh, arrives at the point of release, he exits and releases outside. Is that permissible or not? Is it permissible or not to begin with? Permissible. Hadith mentions it, Hadith of Jabir, that we used to do that during the time of the Prophet That is allowed. So they were asking regarding that issue. And the Prophet said to them, That there's no big deal. Do it if you want, don't do it if you don't want. Because even if, even if you were to release inside of the woman, then still it would be from the decree of Allah whether a, whether a baby is created or not created. It doesn't necessitate the meeting of the liquids or the release of the liquids within doesn't necessitate that pregnancy will occur. That creation is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the point of this section. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-khaliq. That is the section we are in now. Baab qawlillahi ta'ala al-khaliq al-bari' al-musawwir. That was the beginning. One of the names was al-khaliq. So now the Shaykh, he comes on and talks about some of these issues that will only be understood by those whom they will be understood and the remainder will not. But the Shaykh says, هَلْ يَجُوزُ لِلْإِنسَانِ أَنْ يَعْزِلَ أَوْ لَا Is it permissible for a person to and there's a word for it in English, but uh, anybody know? I forgot. Oh, that's the one. Coitus interruptus. That's what it's called. When an individual, a man and the female, they engage in those intimate relations, but before the man is to release the liquids, that he exits and releases outside. Al-Jawab, the Shaykh says regarding that act, is it permissible or not to do that? Because people may say you're preventing on purpose children. And Islamically, generally, generally in Islam, it is good and encouraged to have children. But the Shaykh says, إِذَا دَعَتِ الْحَاجَ إِلَى الْعَزْلِ فَإِنَّهُ يَجُوزُ بِشَرْطًا تُوَافِقَ الزَّوْجَةِ if there is a need to do that, then it's allowed. But the Sheikh says with the condition of agreement from the wife also. فَإِن لَمْ تُوَافِقْ فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ حَرَامٌ لِأَنَّ الْعَزْلِ يَفُوتُ بِهِ أَمْرَانٌ مَقْصُودَانٌ لِلْمَرْأَةِ If the wife does not consent to that, does not 
agree with the husband to release outside, then it becomes impermissible, the Sheikh says. Because of two reasons. One, تَمَامُ اللَّذَّةِ فَإِنَّ اللَّذَّةِ لَا تَتِمُّ إِلَّا بِالْإِنزَالِ One is the completion in reaching the utmost level of satisfaction. So reaching the utmost level of satisfaction would only occur with the intercourse continuing till the release within. So that would be missed for the woman if the man was doing that without her permission. Secondly, the second thing which is potentially missed is the possibility of the child or the pregnancy. الولد الثاني الولد ولها حق في الولد ولا يجوز للرجل أن يعزل عن زوجته إلا بإذنها وموافقتها She has just as much right to pregnancy and children as the man It is not for the man to say that I refuse to have children with you And it's not for the man to say that I therefore will practice the coitus interruptus if the woman does not agree, then the, the peak of the satisfaction is not gained. And secondly, the possibility and the potential of pregnancy is then virtually wiped out if that act takes place and the wife has a right in that pregnancy also. It is not just the decision of the husband there. So it must require agreement between the spouses for that to occur. So now the next section here, the Sheikh says, let's say now the wife has agreed. If the wife has agreed also now, then what is preferred? Is it preferred to practice coitus interruptus or to fulfill the intercourse to its end within? Generally speaking, it is better to not practice this. Generally, it is better that the, in, the, the intercourse, it is continued to its end within. What is more befitting is to have more children. Because the Prophet did say, تَزَوَّجُوا الْوَدُودَ الْوَلُودَ فَإِنِّي مُكَاثِرٌ بِكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ In this narration, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned about marrying the woman who is well-bearing, that she bears the children. She is somebody who is uh, fertile, you may say, and, uh, and gives birth to many children. So being in that way in the woman, the Prophet ﷺ advised to marry such a woman. And he said, because indeed, Referring to the large numbers of this ummah on the day of judgment. And having many children is an honor for the ummah. 
And there is no issue of worrying about provisions. That if we have too many children, how are we going to feed them? That is not an issue here. Because Allah says in the Quran, وَمَا مِن دَابَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا That there is not a daba mentioned here, an animal even upon the earth, except that its sustenance and provision is upon Allah for it. That Allah provides. Allah provides. وَكُلَّمَا كَثُرَةِ الْأُمَّةِ فَتَحَ اللَّهُ لَهَا أَبْوَابًا مِنَ الرِّزْقِ and the more the ummah expands, the more Allah provides avenues of sustenance and provisions. بِشَرْطًا تَصْدُقَ اللَّهِ فِي التَّوَكُّلِ عَلَيْهِ With the condition that you have your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your reliance and dependence in Allah. أَمَّا هَؤُلَاءِ الْأُمَمِ الْكَثِيرَةِ الَّذِينَ يَمُوتُونَ مِنَ الْجُوعِ فَهَؤُلَاءِ لَيْسَ عِنْدَهُمْ صِدْقُ تَوَكُّلٍ عَلَى اللَّهِ As for all of these great amounts of people that you see dying from hunger etc. Famine and whatever takes place that is because of their lack of their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَإِلَّا فَلَوْ صَدَقُوا If they were to have that Trust in Allah and the truthfulness of their reliance and dependence in Allah. لَهَيَّ اللَّهُ لَهُمُ الرِّزْقَ Then Allah would have prepared for them and provided for them the sustenance. And the famous narration it mentions, لَوْ تَوَكَّلْتُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ حَقَّ التَّوَكُّلْ لَرَزَقَاكُمْ كَمَا يَرْزُقُ الطَّيْرِ تَغْدُوا خِمَاصًا وَتَرُوحُ بِطَانًا that if you were to put your trust in Allah completely and properly, taking the necessary means, we've discussed that before, tawakul is when you say my trust is in Allah, but you don't go and take the necessary means to do anything. Sitting at home not getting married, sitting at home not getting married and saying I put my trust in Allah, I have children. Then you need to go out and look for a wife. That is tawakul. So here tawakul, the one who truly puts his trust in Allah, then the narration mentions if you do that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would provide for you just like the bird goes out hungry in the morning and comes back full. Goes out hungry in the morning and then comes back with its stomach full with the food. So the expansion of the ummah is an honor and strength for the ummah. Uh, so the nations that have the large uh, masses, then that would be something that the people take into consideration in viewing that ummah, in fearing that ummah because of their size. Even if they know they don't be as developed as some of the others may be. وَمَا يُحَاوِلُهُ أَعْدَاءُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ مِنْ تَقْلِيلِ النَّصِلِ لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ فَهُوَ خُطَّ خَبِيثَ مَاكِرًا He says this plan of some of the enemies of the Muslims whereby they attempt to reduce the numbers of children of the Muslims and really Muslims and non-Muslims. In the olden days it used to be 2.2 or something. 
What is the average birth now or the average family in the UK now? Last I remember used to be 2.2. Every family on average in the UK has two kids. Basically, that was the average. 1.8, 2.2. So it is from their traditions, from the non-Muslims generally, from, from the Western societies you could say overall, it is from the traditions to only have one kid, two kids, three. Beyond that, then it becomes a joke for them. Four children, you have five kids, six kids. Whereas the Muslims, and in the Muslim nations, and the Muslim uh, different cultures, whatever it might be, it is something normal to have five, and to have six, and to have seven. So the Sheikh says it is a bad thing, this limitation that they talk about. And if we talk about this limitation thing, when is it permissible to purposely try to not get pregnant? To purposely stop pregnancy? Al-Azl, coitus interruptus, is not of the level of the discussion we mean here. That is an act you can do which typically will lead to a lack of pregnancy. But it's all, it's, it's not guaranteed. It's not a guaranteed method, but it is something that would lead to a much, much less likelihood of pregnancy attempting to do that. But now we're talking about methods that they use, actual methods for full prevention. So they use certain items that you would wear during the intercourse for the man and for the woman. They use certain medical uh, prescriptions certain uh, uh, tablets and whatever it might be to prevent that. They use even surgery for both a man and for the woman. Certain surgery can take place so that the reproductive organs of both or one are disabled. So is that permissible or not? Can you as a Muslim couple purposely prevent pregnancy? Allowed or not? If there's harm for the woman. So your answer shouldn't be mentioned like that. Your answer should be how? As a fiqhi kind of answer. You normally, firstly, for a, a fiqh type of answer, you give the default. The default is, no, it's not allowed. That's not something that is allowed to purposely stop that for a couple to say, uh, well, for a couple to say, we're doing our careers yet. I'm still working on my career. I'm still going to get some promotions. i got to do this. i got to do that. We'll uh, use the necessary methods to prevent any pregnancy for the next five years. Then we'll, we'll talk about that. Family planning. Not something which is prescribed in Islam. That isn't something prescribed and something that a person should engage in. Rather... If a child is decreed, it is decreed. You can do the coitus interruptus if required. But beyond that, to take actual measures of full prevention, or as full as possible that they explain, then that isn't something that you can do as a default. But it can be done under circumstances. What are those circumstances? There are different ones. One of them you mentioned is harm to the woman. 
if, and normally the scholars, they always say there's got to be one or two reliable Muslim testimonies from Muslim doctors saying that there is a threat upon the woman's life if she becomes pregnant. For example, when they do C-sections, normally the rule is three C-sections and beyond that, their advice is no more. They say because of the risk of complications, the risk of disease, the risk of uh, viruses, whatever they talk about, they say the risk is as a percentage of acceptability too high after three C-sections. Even though it's been done, but they say it's too high. Their medical advice is beyond three. Medical advice upon our stats and everything else is ideally you shouldn't try for a fourth. Because four C-sections, now you are going into a slightly difficult zone and a more dangerous zone on the stats. So now, if it came to something like that, and the doctors say to the couple that in your circumstance with your C-sections, for example, or whatever other medical condition it is, there is a significant threat upon your health and your, your life even, if you were to get pregnant. Significant, there is something substantial. Not just, well, possibly, possibly, but there is something substantial that we expect upon your health and your life. If it is proven by the doctors, authentic, Muslim, the scholars say, for trustworthy uh, statements, then it is permissible for that couple to take the necessary means for the woman to not get pregnant again. That is possible. If it has been mentioned with validated Muslim testimonies that there is a threat, a significant and established threat to the life of the woman if she was to get pregnant again or to the health of the woman if she was to get pregnant again then it's allowed for that couple to then stop at that point and to take the means necessary to prevent another pregnancy occurring scholars also say that it is allowed to sometimes delay pregnancy now a perfectly healthy woman perfectly healthy woman perfectly healthy couple but they want to delay pregnancy for a reason. And the only reason I've, I've really come across in the fatawa of the scholars, one of them they mention is, let's imagine now a couple, they get married, and they have a child, nine, ten months later, then 20 months later, they have their second child, barely three years into it, they've had three kids, mashallah, Implemented the hadith, a bearing woman. So now after five years, they've got five kids already. Five kids, imagine now, and it's possible you have this kind of scenario. A woman has, let's say four kids then. Four kids under the age of six. Very common. Very common. No problem with that. Four kids under the age of six. Got a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old. In fact, that's very loose. Five, four kids under the age of five, very easy. Five-year-old, three-year-old, two-year-old, one-year-old. Very possible, very possible. So now a woman's got those four kids. Five-year-old, three-year-old, two-year-old, one-year-old. With a three-year-old, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and then the five-year-old at that age. 
it's going to be a handful for the woman, no doubt. For having that many kids at that age. Even those consecutive pregnancies of three years in a row or four within five years. The last five years, four times nine months out of those years have been on pregnancies. And then breastfeeding and other things. It's going to take the toil upon the woman. Particularly imagine now it was a young woman who got married in, in, in the younger years. Now in five years space had all those kids and breastfeeding. and It's a, a toil upon the woman. If that woman now was overburdened beyond what she can handle. All those small kids now, four kids under the age of five. It's a difficulty, the life with the husband, the work and everything. And looking after the kids and her body as well. With the breastfeeding and the pregnancies consecutively, etc, etc. So the couple, they decide, it's too much for the woman. We're going to have to take means so that you don't become pregnant for two more years now. Let the kids lessen the burden upon you as they grow. And then in a couple of years, again, okay, no problem. Scholars say permissible. Some scholars. Sheikh bin Baz, for example. He's mentioning that type of scenario then you could use methods more than just coitus interruptus, actual other methods that they've designed. It is possible you could do that for a time period of a year or two because the burden has become too much upon that woman. From the physical side of things of bearing children that regularly and from the, the side of looking after them and the, the, the responsibilities, etc. So then the scholars would allow it there too. That's the point of necessity. If some necessity arises, then okay. But otherwise, there's no such thing as this family planning. That you've had a child and then you say, but we want to go travel and we want to do this and we want to go see the world and let's take the necessary means. We won't try for any kids for five years now. That type of thing isn't really Islamic. Coitus interruptus. But beyond that, it's not really Something that the scholars say permissible, no problem, go use all the means and do your family planning. Moving on from that issue, if a woman is pregnant, now that we're on the topic, if a woman is pregnant, what's the ruling on abortion? The rulings on abortion. So again, by default, it is haram, but there are more details in this. Let's, well, by default it is haram. If you haven't got a reason for it, it's haram. If there's no reason for the abortion, it's haram. There's no such thing as just go and do abortion. But then, if there are reasons, it can be allowed. One important point to note is that there is a big difference in a pregnant woman who hasn't reached the four-month mark yet and a pregnant woman who is beyond the four months mark. What happens at four months? The soul is blown into the child. Prior to four months, the soul has not been blown into the child. Therefore, you will see in the rulings that prior to four months, it's a lot easier. The rulings are a lot looser and easier for the women prior to four months. Beyond four months, everything is a lot, lot more strict. Because now, that child is an actual human with a soul. 
So you're going to be killing an actual human now. So now there's a big difference in the rulings from that boundary. Prior to four months, after four months. Let's say now the woman is told, which is the most likely scenario, that your child has a severe illness. And the possibility of the child being born healthy or even surviving is less than 1%. Common occurs. Certain types of conditions the baby is born in, as it progresses in the womb, um, lack of formation of the skull, the brain, the lungs, other parts occurs. They say to the woman, we tell you now, the way the baby has formed, this hasn't formed, that hasn't formed, the brain hasn't formed properly, the skull, this, that, etc. Your child, if it even survives, will only barely survive a few minutes after birth. It will die. Your child cannot survive. Medically, because of the way it is, that's just the way it is. The, the brain of the child hasn't developed. The heart is only half developed. The other body parts are not developed. That, from factual biology, we can tell you this as a human cannot survive. That possible. That isn't knowledge of the unseen or anything. That's medically acceptable. Medically acceptable. You see a baby in the womb now with the, the scans and everything, and they see that the baby, the brain hasn't formed. The brain has not formed, which occurs. So now they can tell you medically, medically we can tell you there's less than a percent chance which is normally what they say for that type of scenario that the baby will survive. Other conditions the same. Is abortion allowed in that scenario or not then? In that scenario, no issue to the woman's health. Doctors say no problem to you. You're going to do your normal pregnancy. Normal pregnancy will do C-section if required at the end. You're going to go through your pregnancy as normal, nothing about you. But your baby, we're telling you, because of the medical problems it has, it will not survive. So let's say, let's say it's before four months. What's the ruling then? Then, as we said, there is a lot more leeway with the issue. There is a lot more leeway on the issue prior to four months. Again, it comes down to the verified Muslim testimony most of the time the scholars always mention as well. Verified Muslim, couple of Muslim doctors at that. They absolutely tell you, verified, we can tell you the brain hasn't developed. Just hasn't developed. Baby may be born, but it won't be able to breathe. It, it, it will not survive. Verified medical Muslim testimony, that is the biological state of this fetus. And it will not survive. So in that situation, prior to four months, there is leeway. If it is in that scenario, scenario where they're telling you it will not survive, then you're allowed. It is allowed. There is leeway for an abortion prior to four months. After four months, now, generally, the ruling is no. Generally, after four months, the ruling is no for whatever. Generally. After four months, it's going to be extremely rare situations where scholars allow an abortion after four months because now the soul's been blown into the child. So after four months, then the answer is almost always in whatever scenario going to be no. There are very few scenarios after four months where the scholars would allow it. 
Let's talk about one of those scenarios after four months. Now the doctors say on your, I don't even know, when is it, the four month, the six month scan, whatever, after six months, for example, let's say. They say to you, we've just discovered on this scan that there's some bleeding occurring within the womb or something, and there is a severe threat to your life. The way something has occurred in the womb and it's progressed, whatever's happened, if you carry on now with this pregnancy, there is a severe threat to you, the mother. You could die if you carry on with this pregnancy because of what we've discovered in this six-month scan of something that's happening in there. Ruling? Harm to her life. So what's the ruling? That's not a ruling. So you're going to say it's allowed to do the abortion. Huh? Yeah, you got the testimony. Testimony to Muslim doctors verified everything, medical research done. They know about this condition, everything verified, every encyclopedia, it's proven. They say this pregnancy, the way it is, a certain condition known to us medically, everywhere, Muslims, everywhere, any nation you ask them, your chances of dying from this are very high if you carry on with this type of pregnancy, with what's been discovered. So now then, what's the ruling? The woman's life is at threat, a very real threat. Permissible to abort. Anybody else? Permissible? There is a chance of her surviving. It's just a very severe likelihood and threat upon her life if she carries on. Not guaranteed. I mean, it's impossible. You, you can't ever say guaranteed. Anybody here say that it's not allowed for her to abort in that situation? So everybody's saying it's allowed for her then, since nobody put their hand up. Some scholars, obviously, like we said, in these extreme situations... They'll say, okay, it is beyond four months, but this is an extreme situation. If it is absolutely verified, they are telling you, practically we believe you'll die if you carry on with this pregnancy. Practically. Can't say it 100%, but that's our research, medical, the way it's going, how the blood is, whatever's happening. Practically, we believe there's a very high risk you'll die in this pregnancy if you carry on. So then if it's that serious, some of the scholars allow the abortion after four months. Others do not. And the reasoning is very simple. It's after four months, but then... It's now the life of the baby and the life of the mother. Why does the life of the mother have more priority over the life of the baby? Why does she get more right than the baby gets right? Baby is now a soul blown into it. Huh? She may have other children to look after. Possibly. That may be from the reasonings the other scholars add on to their justification. But the fuqaha, some of them have stipulated here that there is no Islamic basis in that scenario to say it's permissible to kill a human. That's how it is. Forget about baby and fetus. Soul has been blown in now. The soul has been blown in. So you now consider that with the rulings of Islam. A human with a soul. 
if you were to think of it in a in a in a easier way to understand, in an easier way to understand some scenario, whatever it is the fire the buildings on fire here now. The buildings on fire. It's either you or me. Is it permissible for me to push you down and go out? <laughs> Let you die. I have to live. They tell me right now outside. The firemen they shout out. You got one of you can get out. We got one thing to save you, whatever it is. One can get out. You got to get out right now or there's a severe threat to your life. Forget the little kid. Push him aside, kill him and you come out. What would you say now? Now all of a sudden, oh no, no, no. It's exactly the same. The fuqaha, they say, okay, the baby's in the womb. It is now a human with a soul. So the rulings of Islam apply to it. So you can't just easily say, oh no, but the mother has it's her life. The baby is now a soul in there. So many of the scholars, many, not even a few, they have the ruling that it's not permissible to abort there. The woman puts her trust in Allah and carries on. Continues with that pregnancy. And they give actually a lot more detail into the topic. It's not our topic tonight. They give a lot more detail. And truly, if you read the detail, I, I expect the majority would be convinced that the woman continues in that state. From the evidences that they give and the explanations and justifications, you would see from an Islamic point of view that the woman continues. Generally though, when it's only something minor, they say, well, there's a small problem with your baby, it's maybe going to be born disabled. No, no threat to you, no threat to the baby, it'll live everything, no problem, but it will be disabled. Permissible or not? After four months, absolutely not. Prior to four months, still because of the leeway, some of the scholars may allow it. May. Prior to four months, no soul has been blown in. They tell you absolutely, we can see now from the tests and everything, this baby has severe deformities and disabilities. It will live, but severe deformities, disabilities. Prior to four months, there are some scholars who would pass it prior to four months. But again, in that type of scenario, because there's no threat to life to anyone, the child will survive. They're telling you just with disability it will live. Then most of the scholars will say, no, there's no abortion there. Put your trust in Allah, make dua, ask Allah to cure your unborn child, and you continue with the pregnancy. So it is not the way that the society has portrayed things now, at the smallest thing, then straight away abortions and everything and all these types of things. That is not the way of the Muslim. You need to look into these affairs more carefully and recognize the rights and the laws of Islam. We'll have to end there tonight. Uh, and we'll carry on next week then, inshallah ta'ala, at the same time. Isha is 8 o'clock still, huh? So inshallah, after Isha, as soon as possible, after Isha, quarter past 8, 8.20, we'll resume next week, inshallah. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.